Hello and welcome to Insight. Post-2014, we have seen, since Prime Minister Modi has been focusing on good governance, a rise in destructive politics. On one hand, the government is trying to focus on identity-less governance. On the other hand, we have the opposition still searching for identity. Join me and Shehzad Poonawala, a leading political analyst and commentator, as we examine constructive politics versus destructive politics in Bharat today. Shahzad, it's amazing to have you with us on Insight. Shahzad, as you know that today our title for our episode is Constructive Politics versus Destructive Politics. Could you sort of begin with explaining to us the difference between the two? It's very simple. Of course, we're a democracy, a thriving democracy at that, and therefore there must be politics, there must be opposition. But uh, a constructive opposition is one that strengthens the arms of your country, and destructive politics is one that in the name of politics actually undermines your country. And I'll give you an example. Just before I was headed here, I believe uh, Rahul Gandhi, who claims to be the opposition leader of India, has spoken to a former diplomat of America, Nicholas Burns, yes. literally pleading for US intervention yes. to uphold standards of democracy. Now, I don't have a problem with Rahul Gandhi doing Modi Virod, but when Modi Virod descends into Desh Virod, I think that's the fine line between constructive politics and destructive politics. We can't really avoid uh, identity in polity, not just in India, but you know anywhere else in the world. How do you see us dealing with that? You see, identity politics is fine, and I guess uh, it is part of the political aspirations of various communities to uh, to be galvanized on the uh, platform of identity or to even uh, evoke their identity to seek political space. But how are those identities going to be used? Are they going to be used to divide people? The Britishers divided us and ruled over us, and therefore divide and rule comes from there. So, kya baatne ki rajniti ki jayegi identity ke naam par ya jodne ki rajniti ke I'll give an example. The RSS has been working to create a pan-Indian identity. That's, an, that's a politics based on identity, but they have tried to galvanize and unite people on a larger platform of identity, have tried to invoke a sense of nationalism among citizens, and that is how you can use identity either to unite, and what has the Congress done? The Congress party, unfortunately, or the ilk that the Congress belongs to, the so-called secular ilk, they have been using identities to divide people, particularly the Hindu society. Either it's on the basis of caste, either it's on the basis of tribals, non-tribals. I just heard recently uh, the Jharkhand CM make a huge claim, Himan Soren, that tribals are not Hindus. <laughs> so why is he doing that? He's doing that perhaps because he wants to divide Hindu society. And on the other hand, you have Mamta Banerjee making an appeal yesterday. Correct. Uh, in a rally that all the Muslims should unite to vote for me. So, you know, the idea, the political strategy is to divide the Hindu society on the lines of identities, caste identities, tribal, non-tribal identities, and to unite their vote bank and to play this kind of political game. But in the process, it divides India. And therefore, I don't have a problem with, with identities per se. 
but what kind of identities and how is it used? That is the fundamental question. What is the politics of the subaltern to divide castes and communities? To do khand khand, desh ke bhi khand khand karne ki koshish ki jati hai kuch loon ke dwara and now it is also about the people of India. So you say most backward, less backward, then you have scheduled castes, scheduled tribes which is obviously constitutionally ordained but even within that when you keep dividing people I think the idea is that there should never be a pan-national identity that must emerge and people should feel a sense of oneness. And I think uh, that is harmful and destructive for the country. Maybe very beneficial for those politicians, but very harmful for the country. Correct. But, you know, since 2014, maybe, we've seen a change in politics where uh, it's almost like good governance is trumping over everything else. Yes. I don't know if you agree with me or not. But if that is the case, do you think that identity politics is changing in India? You see, it's not going to change overnight. No. But the attempt has been, and I, I see uh, this attempt being made consciously by the Prime Minister particularly, is to dissolve all smaller identities into one larger identity of being Indian. Correct. And let me give an example of this. For the largest time, the narrative we have heard in this country is that the Prime Minister and his government does not have the welfare of the scheduled castes and scheduled tribes in his heart. And we've seen uh, anti-Dalit protests, we've seen the Rohit Vemula issue being politicized heavily, we've seen uh, other communities, uh, they're trying to incite them. But what has been the electoral data over the last five years, six years? The Bharati Janta Party has done phenomenally well, in fact better amongst the SCST seats and the SCST communities than compared to the other communities, which means certainly they're doing something right. Correct. Certainly distinctions are not being made in government schemes. I, they keep saying that this government is anti-Muslim. I ask them as an Indian Muslim, can you show me one policy of this government, one policy statement of Prime Minister Narendra Modi, where he is distinguished between Mohit and Muhammad, where he is distinguished between uh, Sultana and Shilpa. Does Sultana not get a gas cylinder just like Shilpa? Does the LED bulb not reach Mohit's house and Muhammad's house? What has he distinguished between? Has he, has he seen that, oh, because you wear a skull cap or because you wear a Sherwani, you will not get a particular scheme? So this kind of incitement on identity is done to only divide people so that they can be made vote banks. And they can be made vote banks and the politics of fear can be played. They can be ghettoized mentally, emotionally and then politically so that they can become your captive vote banks. That attempt is being made in Bengal also. That attempt is being made in Assam. That attempt is being made in Kerala. Look at the Congress party. They have allied with the Shiv Sena in Maharashtra. They have an alliance with the Muslim League in Kerala. They have an alliance with ISF in Bengal, which has been opposed not by others, but in fact by their own Anand Sharma. They have an alliance with Ajmal in Assam. Which of these parties would fit in the so-called definition of secular of the Congress party itself or what it tries to espouse? Yet it does alliances with these parties based on mere political convenience. And it lectures others about playing identity politics, playing the Hindutva card, so on and so forth. So this is the kind of hypocrisy that these certain political parties have. But their intention is to divide people of India politically, mentally and emotionally. And I think that is a harmful politics. It is changing. It is changing. 
today the scheduled caste community the scheduled tribe community they are voting for narendra modi not because he has come up with the constitutional scheme of reservation but he has gone beyond reservation and has given them aspiration for 50 years 60 years all we did was we told these communities you are backward you remain backward give us your vote we will give you this lollipop of reservation for the first time today they are getting affirmation and aspiration and that is coming from narendra modi why is it is it coming from this government it is coming because today narendra modi is telling them become atmanirbhar don't rely on the state as a sarkar but rely on a state as a service provider and the state as a service provider is empowering communities today a muslim can start his own business become the richest man of this country today the people who are so called backward classes can empower themselves take a loan start a business and make their mark as opposed to being confined to a reservation based government job all their life and i think that is what all communities all indians want they want empowerment not a bone thrown at them in the name of reservation but could you also then clarify what you mean by when you say empowerment what is the sort of electoral and political incentive hmm. that people have to limit it from becoming empowerment i'll give you an example uh empowerment cannot mean that i will make you see some community as your opponent and then get votes from you the muslims have been constantly told constantly told that hindus particularly in the shape and size of the rss are coming after you so don't expect anything from us don't expect we will give you schools don't expect we will give you roads don't expect anything from us except that we will keep you safe from this bad demon called the rss and for 50 to 60 years all that those who have called themselves secular have done to the muslims is that they've kept them poor they've kept them ghettoized they've made them live in the worst conditions in so called minority concentration districts they have given them no formal or modern education they have confined them to madrasas and they have told them that you at least have your identity safe and that is because of us don't ask for anything else or else you will be at the wherewithal of the rss today the sachar committee report i celebrate that report simply because it is a legacy of what these so called secular parties have done for muslims it is a living document and testament that muslims should read and should then realize who are the real enemies of the muslim community they must realize that the poorest and the muslims in the worst conditions live not in gujarat but in bengal correct but the impression is that a muslim is unsafe in gujarat and he's very safe in bengal so the fundamental point is that in the name of identity all that they have done is fear monger and hate monger amongst the other communities never allowed them to assimilate themselves today i see an assimilation of all these communities the scheduled caste the scheduled tribes why do they vote for narendra modi if the philosophy of the rss is so destructive is so anti subaltern anti muslim why are they rallying in hordes and voting for uh, narendra modi and the bjp are these people politically naive is rahul gandhi suggesting that he is the only sensible and intelligent person and everybody else i think uh, in bihar from so many places if you see the date electoral data more than 60 70 80% of the scheduled caste seats have been won by the bjp in fact the Beng bengal story of the bjp 
rests on the shoulders of communities like Rajbanshi's, Matuwa's, Namsh. They are all Dalit communities. Bengal, by the way, has almost 40% scheduled caste, scheduled tribe. The BJP is not viewed as a party of the upper caste elites in Bengal. It is viewed as a party of the uh, Aam Admi of Bengal that has been ignored for so many years. So these are the realities that, that these certain political parties cannot confront. They can't see India getting united. That is their problem. Do you think that they've come together post-2014, this destructive politics that we talk about is, has become heightened because of the new dispensation? It has, because they see a threat to their political existence as a whole. For the first time, a large number of political parties are becoming no, irrelevant and they are facing an existential crisis because this country's political narrative has shifted. It's not just about politics where one party comes to power, then cyclically the other party comes to power. It happened for a very long time. It continues to happen in some states. Ki LDF, then UDF, then LDF, then UDF. It's a cyclical nature. All politicians are very happy with that kind of arrangement. They love that arrangement. Five years I am in power, five years you are in power. Because the narrative, satta parivartan ho jata hai, system ka parivartan nahi hota, samaj ka parivartan nahi hota. For the first time, aaj satta parivartan ke saath, system ka parivartan ho hai. This is what I would already say. I mean, Prime Minister is saying asol parivartan in Bengal. But that asol parivartan of India has already started since 2014, but particularly after 2019. Who would have thought that Article 370 would have been done away with? And I think that when we write history after 50 years, I think that would be one of the most fundamental things that we would have achieved. The abrogation of Article 370, the removal of Article 370, the removal of the special status. It was not a special status for Jammu Kashmir, it was a special status for two families of Jammu Kashmir. Today we are seeing a new Kashmir and a new dawn in Kashmir. For the first time from areas which have only given terrorism in South Kashmir, you are seeing nationalists being elected. You have seen three-tiered democracy take place. The Pakistanis and the Islamists are not very happy. They are threatening uh, all the nationalists who stood for elections there. But for the first time, the distance between Lal Kila and Lal Chowk has reduced. For the first time, those who said that the Tiranga will not have a shoulder to be carried with or without my state flag, there is no Tiranga. Today, it's they have to see the vision of Tiranga on every government office and in Lal Chowk. I think this is the fundamental difference. They must acknowledge and this is what they don't like. They don't like the system changing. They don't like the political narrative of this country changing. I can give you several examples, but the fundamental point that I want to make is that because of this fundamental shift of this country, realizing that <coughs> this country cannot do politics like it did for 50 years, these people feel that they will lose all forms of political relevance. And therefore, they are happy, coming back to your first question, to collude with any force that can help them depose Modi. A, a member of parliament or a former member of parliament goes to Pakistan and pleads to them, Ki bhai, get us in power and we will depose Narendra Modi. How else can Pakistan help other than, uh, than violently removing the prime minister, the current prime minister? How else can Pakistan help? Is Pakistan a, a source of democratic values and uh, inspiration for this leader? 
today you have a mr rahul gandhi cribbing to america that please give us a certificate of democracy from america then you have him going to other international forums you have these leaders going to other international forums using any issue to make india look bad because they want to make modi look bad i remember when uh, indira gandhi was the prime minister and mr vajpay was the leader of opposition i think by the way mr vajpay was a much better or a role model leader of opposition how a leader of opposition should be did he ever get up and and abuse india because he had a problem with indira gandhi he sat in opposition for years but never once even while stridently opposing indira gandhi even during the emergency years was there a hint of colluding with the enemy in fact narsimha rao sent mr vajpay to fight india's case at the united nations that was the level of confidence you could have in the opposition leaders to keep the case of your country because you are all one what do you think about the whole dalit meme collaboration you, you know i've heard a lot about this jai meme jai bheem yeah i think that anything more fake than a bollywood marriage is the marriage between meme and bheem <laughs> it is such a marriage of convenience and political hypocrisy first of all those who stridently vouch for this marriage electoral and otherwise should go and read what mr ambedkar has written and i am a muslim i have no problem in acknowledging what kind of politics what kind of closed ecosystem they desire is there any any natural collaboration between these two but or is it only a forced collaboration against an unknown enemy that they want to present and so much for their jaibim jamim when a dalit was uh, lynched to death in rajasthan and several other places because he happened to fall in love with a muslim girl where was this jai bheem and jai meem when it is jai meem then the bheem has to come together but when it is a question of the bheem the meem disappears has always he ever spoken in such cases he goes around saying jai bheem jai meem jai bheem jai meem i ask him when a bheem was killed by the so called memes for falling in love with a girl from the muslim community where was this man of jai bheem jai meem he ran away he did not say a word otherwise he is most vocal on uh, all kinds of lynchings he is happy to label india as lynchistan so you know this kind of uh, oh we are and jai bheem jai meem is another interesting aspect if you put all these communities together i think uh, even the obcs the scst muslim communities they would amount to more than 65 70% of this country how many times the prime minister has come from this community in the congress years can can anybody elaborate has the congress ever made a scheduled caste prime minister no scheduled tribe prime minister no muslim prime minister no when was the last obc prime minister made by the congress party no prime ministership is not reserved either for me or for bheem it is reserved for one parivar who wants to exploit bheem and bheem use them as a two wheels of his political vehicle and uh, here the rss which is supposed to be the bjp is supposed to be the banya brahmin party the rss is supposed to be only of a certain kind of high thinking brahmins i come from pune from where they were born well they have pushed the case of a prime minister who happens to be from one of the most backward classes of gujarat he is an obc what is off the table when we talk about destructive politics is national security off the table सर्टनली राष्ट्र नीति पर राजनीति नहीं होनी चाहिए 
national security can never be a subject matter of politics. Let me give you two or three quick examples which viewers will remember. Mm. For years, a narrative was set that Ishrat Jahan was Bharat ki beti. Correct. The court, the special CBI court, has come to a conclusion that Ishrat Jahan was an Atank ki beti. Those who peddled her and fettered her as Bharat ki beti, including the likes of the JDU, including the allies of the BJP, the JDU, the Congress party, the NCP, Sharad Pawar, I remember his statement, wow, innocent girl gone to Ahmedabad, what was her fault? Now, will they come and apologize? Why did they make Ishrat Jahan the poster girl? They knew very well that she was a terrorist. I can give you tens of examples of it. The first uh, Muslim IB chief made by the UPA government, Asif Ibrahim, so much so wrote in a letter to the Prime Minister and to the then Home Minister, Mr. Shinde, saying that Ishrat Jahan is from the LET. There is no doubt about it. This is when the CBI and the IB were fighting. You would remember that uh, the CBI and IB were at each other's necks over Ishrat Jahan because uh, the CBI was given the task by uh, the then Home Minister, Mr. Chidambaram, not my allegation, allegations by a Home Minister official called RVS Mani, to, in a sense, uh, to, to remove all references of Ishad Jahan's uh, pull, uh, terror antecedents. In fact, in 2009, the MHA had given an affidavit saying that she is a terrorist, and then in two months, that uh, affidavit was unilaterally changed to remove all her antecedents. In 2010, the United States government, yeah. no less, had given in writing, Yes, I think their attaché to the uh, United States Embassy in India had given in writing in, in, in continuation of the 26-11 probe that Ishad Jahan was a suicide bomber of the LET. The LET in its uh, Gazwa Times in its own publication had published this. Uh, you had um, David Headley's testimony that had come across after 26-11. So can you imagine that when there was so much tons of evidence just to make a particular vote bank feel that an innocent moon-faced girl had been gunned down by this demon Modi Amit Shah duo in Gujarat. They played that kind of politics on national scale. That was not the only instance. In Bartala House, somebody did not cry when Mohan Chand Sharma lost his life. But she wept profusely seeing the bodies of the terrorists. Not my statement, statement of Salman Kurshi. We should ask that person who wept profusely, is she weeping profusely today? When even the Bartala House encounter was certified as true and genuine, what happens to the memory of Mohan Chand Sharma, who laid down his life for this country? What happened to the people, the braves of this country, who spend their lives to keep us secure and safe, but we create an atmosphere just to make political gains that listen, these people are all Hindutva agents going around killing innocent Muslims who are actually terrorists. At that time, they said Indian Mujahideen did not exist. They said these were not terrorists. How can they be terrorists? I remember Mr. Digvijay Singh saying, how can the bullets be, you know, pumped in their head here? He had become a forensic expert. I want to ask them, what is their stand today when courts of this country have declared that Batlao's encounter was genuine? Ishtar Jha was indeed a terrorist. Today, they do it on China as well. The Chinese have been forced to push back. For the first time, the world is acknowledging that India stood up to China, whether it's the Doklam crisis, whether it's in Galwan. We did not need proof from anybody else to tell us that our braves who lost their lives in Galwan, the 20 braves, they took down more than the, the lives we lost in China. Yet, we demanded how many did we kill in Galwan? 
is that in favor of national security we are asking uh, how many inches of land has china occupied is that in favor of national security when the world is acknowledging that we gave a mutor jawab to china the people who lost thousands and thousands of square kilometers in aksai chain who lost pakistan occupied kashmir those who gave away tons of land uh, in 2013 who allowed incursions to take place are today asking how many inches have been lost because they want to look make modi look bad they are happy to make our braves look like Sorry. cowards when they say surrender modi is modi at the uh, on the ladakh border is modi there it is the armed forces do you have any uh, vishwas on the armed forces and you do not even attend the standing committee meetings on defense so how would you even know so this is the difference the difference today is that for the opposition or some people in the opposition national security is very much an issue up for politics and political gains only because they have a problem with narendra modi which was never the case in this country i gave you the example of mr bajpayee he never played politics on national security but even uh, this year we saw the farmer protests you know last year we saw the anti ca protests yeah. and you know they somehow managed to again push this card specifically with the muslim community during the anti ca riots where you know they made them feel threatened why is it that time and again they are able to do this they are time and again able to do this simply because they have concocted a devious vicious brand of very basal identity politics i keep asking the muslim community show me one line one word that has anything to do with indian muslims in the ca law they are unable to i tell them okay question number 2 ca came into force the act has been passed by parliament how many indian citizens who are muslims have lost their citizenship the only lives that have been lost are the lives that were lost in the so called ca riots the only lives and property that has been lost in those riots whether it's delhi riots 53 indians lost their lives even there they counted the body bags and they made it seem like it was an act of islamophobia they went all the way abroad to complain they wrote articles in papers in the middle east perhaps at 500 dollars a piece and they tried to present that oh india is so islamophobic that now Muslims are headed towards a slow genocide. That's what one of the so-called intellectuals yeah. wrote. That now we have become a Nazi Germany, where Muslims are being pushed into concentration camps. Delhi riots is one example. What happened about Dilbar Negi? Was he a Muslim? Was Mr. Ratan Lal a Muslim? Was Ankit Sharma stabbed more than fifty times? Was he a Muslim? The most brutal attacks took place on the Hindu community too, and the culprits of Akbari Begum are also in jail. They have also been charge sheeted. there are equal number of charges between uh, against hindus and muslims by the same delhi police so today if this was indeed a hindutva police or a hindutva administration pursuing an islamophobic agenda why are the murders of akbari begum in jail why are there equal number of charges against hindus and muslims in delhi riots cases but to continue to perpetrate this politics of fear ghettoization and othering that the hindus are your enemies this is the worst myth that they can perpetrate and such anti hindu phobia narratives that look what they are doing with the ca 
they will all come they will take away your friendship they'll take away whatever you have and these are the same people and i ask them if you are such humanness humanness you are such humanitarians you bat for rohingyas to come and stay in bengal but what is visible to you the the plight of the hindus in pakistan the plight of the minorities in bangladesh and in pakistan shouldn't we give them any succor as a nation that upholds values of freedom and and liberal democracy and this was something that mahatma gandhi advocated was mahatma gandhi a bigot too manmohan singh in 2003 advocated this was he a bigot too hum kare to chamatkar tum karo to gunega this is their playbook what would you say that uh, the youth in india needs to do to ensure that they are not used as political fodder so when i speak to people of my age and slightly younger to me i explain to them and they are also perturbed with the kind of narrative because they don't believe in it they may see a representation of it it is hyped up more than it is actually existing because if you see election after election you know it's not working i mean who voted in bihar young people right we were told that one youngster had huge rallies in bihar whose father is in jail we were told that he is the next chief minister the next yeah. thing the big thing yeah. well what happened in bihar i'll tell you what is the problem the problem is satta parivartan hua hai par structural parivartan abhi nahi hua hai yahan par बाबूलाल वैष्णव को राजस्थान में एक हिंदू साधु थे उनको जलाकर मार दिया गया राजस्थान में सो कॉल्ड सेक्युलर स्टेट पालघर में दो साधुओं को पीट पीट कर मार दिया गया इट्स गोइंग टू बी वन ईयर ऑन सिक्सटीन अप्रैल देर वॉज एन अटैक ऑन अ नागा साधु इन छत्तीसगढ़ सी द गोत्र ऑफ द स्टेट सो द पोलिटिकल गोत्र ऑफ द स्टेट वॉज सच दैट ये जो ह्यूमन राइट के नाम पर अवार्ड वापसी लेटर राइटर्स सो कॉल्ड यू नो गोइंग टू द यूनाइटेड नेशन यूनाइटेड स्टेट्स कमिटीज नन ऑफ देम है साइलेंट एंड देन वन इंसिडेंट टेक्स प्लेस इन सम ट्रेन आर्टिकल्स एंड आर्टिकल्स आर रिटन इन इन यूनाइटेड स्टेट्स पब्लिकेशन एंड देन एन आर्टिकल इज रिटन दैट इंडिया इज नो लॉन्गर अ सेक्युलर डेमोक्रेसी एंड देन सम रिपोर्ट्स आर मैन्युफैक्चर्ड टू से टूडे वी आर पार्टली फ्री today we are 90% free today we are 40% free today we are electoral autocracy but when these people were killed lynched brutally murdered they happened to be hindus at least as per their religion i believe everybody is a hindu culturally but <coughs> as per their religion they were hindus these people went silent this is the power of their ecosystem you have to realize that they may have been driven out of power but they still control the narrative they still control power structures they still control what this country talks about they still have that they still have prominent positions in the bureaucracy in the intellectual space in the media and in a large number of th- attempts are being made attempts are being made to change that status quo i see very strident attempts being made people have uh, actually taken up that task it's a less spoken about task but when we have a lot of foundations today working towards representing a larger indian cause and an indian uh, indian uh, narrative you know the vivekanand foundation india foundation they are working towards it but have we been able to purge purge this this kind of bias that exists in the intellectual media and other spaces yet no we were told for 50 years aurangzeb restored temples that's what was told in the ncert textbook where is the yeah. proof 
So they continue to control the narrative. And till the time, these people, they, 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 they've been well fed and kept patronized, continue to be patronized. Till the time these people are not purged, along with their political parties, then we will still continue to see this attempt being made to to युवाओं को भड़काने के लिए, भड़काने के लिए, लोगों को भड़काने के लिए। Is democracy positioned, you know, in a way where the opposition has to oppose everything that the government does? There is no problem with opposition in a democracy, especially like ours. And democracy has not come to us as a gift from the British. Some Western educated Anglophiles may feel that way, particularly those who try to model this country on the Western philosophies uh, when it comes to secularism. Democracy is Democracy is in the DNA of the Indian people. You pick up the Vedas, pick up the Rig Veda, you pick up any kind of Indian text you will find democracy thriving and existing as a concept right from that age. So we don't need to be taught democracy. This is the same uh, country when the Ghats of Banaras, people went and spoke against the so-called religious order and they were also worshipped. They were also praised. They were also hailed. This is the sense of opposition space that this country concedes to. That you believe in my philosophy, come and sit next to me. You don't believe in my philosophy, come and sit next to me. We didn't need Voltaire to teach us this. But unfortunately, when opposition is transmuted as obstruction, an obstruction not for the growth of a political party or a political personality, I have no interest in that. Mr. Modi's continuation as the Prime Minister is not what this country is talking about. But in an attempt to stop Mr. Modi from becoming the Prime Minister, will you stop the growth and progress of this country? Will you stop the success story of this country? Will you make this country look bad merely because you want to defeat a political candidate? That is the fundamental problem. No problem with opposition in a democracy. Rajniti karo par rashtaniti ki kimat par nahi. Desh hit ke upar dal hit kabhi nahi ho sakta aur parivar hit to hona hi nahi chahiye. So I, I would urge those people in politics that do your opposition, but love your country too. Because patriotism is about opposing the government, never the country. You know, that's well said, Shazad. Thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure.